Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground. His sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And at last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray, so that you will not give in to temptation. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of his twelve disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords, and one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. And then Jesus spoke to the leading priests, the captains of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him. Am I some dangerous revolutionary, he asked, that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. Now look at verse 54. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. Verse 55, the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. And after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. And about an hour later, someone else insisted this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered that the Lord had said, Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today about the danger of following you from a distance. And Jesus, I ask you that you would encourage us, challenge us, move us, to draw near and draw closer to you. And Lord, I'll thank you for all that you do. Anoint the presentation of your word now, I pray in your name. And we all said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Following from a distance. Following from a distance. This is... uh, This is an interesting topic, I believe. Here's why. Because I believe that the 21st century Christian has learned how to follow Jesus at a comfortable distance and still label himself a disciple. 
Don't we see this in Hollywood? Don't we see this in professional sports? We see people who, well, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, great. But then they get arrested for sexually harassing a woman. It's like, uh, what? There's a, those of you who don't know, I, I really enjoy watching mixed martial arts. I know, don't. Don't send, don't send me emails, okay? I've got enough. And, and, and there's one in particular, his name is uh, John Jones. Some would, some would classify him as maybe the greatest of all time. And what's interesting, he's got a tattoo on his chest of Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'll never forget this. He was on, a, an, on an interview and he was asked about his tattoo. He said, wow. Uh, the interviewer would say, wow, John, I mean, you're kind of a wild partier. You know, what's with the tattoo? It's a great question. He said, well, you know, that's part of my life, and then the parting is part of my life, and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I was so disappointed to hear that. And unfortunately, he's been his own worst enemy uh, in recent years, if you know his story. So we pray for him. Uh, but athletes like him and celebrities like him, and may I also say just churchgoers like him, exist today where we will say, well, I am a Christian, but we, we don't follow Jesus real closely. We have learned to follow Jesus from a comfortable distance from him. Peter followed Jesus after he was arrested, but he did so from a distance. I would argue today that we live in a culture that claims that Jesus is their Savior, but they barely make him Lord. Can I repeat that? This is a culture that claims that Jesus is their Savior. Why? Because we want to go to heaven. We don't want to go to hell. So we're immediately, oh, he's my Savior. Okay, but is he also Lord? Well, no, no, I'm in control. I do things my way. I just want to go to heaven. It doesn't work that way. That's when you're following Jesus from a distance. And, and we're going we're gonna to find that when people follow Jesus from a distance, a lot of negative things can take place. In fact, I, I read the scripture and it, it kind of turns this whole thought process on its head. For example, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, Paul's talking to this young pastor and he says, But you, Timothy, you're a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. David made this statement in Psalm chapter 73, verse 25, where David said, Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth, 
I'm sorry, and earth has nothing that I desire besides you. So I don't believe that God is calling us to be weird. God is not calling us to, well, I guess I can't have any hobbies or I can't enjoy life. I just need to enjoy Jesus and be bored to death. But at least when I die, I go to heaven. Hallelujah. Would you like what I have, sinner? Well, that's not God's plan. Not at all. But on the opposite side, I believe, especially American Christianity, European Christianity, if there's any left, we have learned to create a healthy distance. Come on, folks. Some of you, it's so obvious, it's on your, it's on your Facebook. It is. I mean, should I say this? Yeah, sure, I'll say this. Sometimes I'm like, I'm like, I read this, it's like, ooh, she goes to my church. Please don't tell anybody. It's the reason why I don't have Christian bumper stickers on my car, okay? It's just a bad witness. I, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a good, I'm an excellent driver. Um, but here's what we do. We tend to compartmentalize our lives so much. And when I say compartmentalize, here's what I mean, okay? You've got your work life. You've got your family life, okay? And we put those in a box, all right? And when it's time to go to work, we open the box and we put on our work gear, our work mode. When we're home, now we open the home box. And this is how I am at home. And then we've got our social media box. We've got our uh, hobbies box. And then we've got our God box somewhere. Sometimes we break that out on Sunday. Sometimes. And that's about it. Your relationship with God does not belong in a box. You cannot compartmentalize your life so much that God is one of your hobbies. That God is one of your interests. God is your everything. So God is in my work. Well, you're in the God business. Okay, fine. But whatever you do for a living, God needs to be in that. And God needs to be in your relationships. And God should be in your social media. And God should be in your schooling students. And God should be with you on the campus. And God should be with you at home. God needs to be everywhere. And the problem is we've compartmentalized things so much There's a distance. And I will tell you, any distance that we have away from God, it tends to start in our hearts way before it starts in our feet. I'm not saying you're backslidden. I'm not saying you're running from God. Hopefully that's not the case. But what I'm telling you, Peter, is that it is not God's design 
for you to follow him from such a great distance that people may not even know that you're a follower of Jesus to begin with. And you're hoping to stick this out long enough that when you die, you go to heaven and everything's great. That's not the Christianity that God has called his church to. That's not God's plan for you. Understand, that's not God's plan for you. It's not. So the question is, how do we know? How do we know if we find ourselves following Jesus from a distance? How can we tell? What, what takes place to kind of bring that about? And I will tell you, church, that oftentimes this happens slowly. This is a process. I, I have yet to find somebody who woke up one day and said, you know what? I think I'm going to turn my back on God. Oh, boy, that felt good. That's on your list of stuff. No, it, it happens gradually. This happens over time. It's a slow burn. And, and so, can I show you how this happens? And maybe, maybe God can catch some Simon Peters in here who might be a bit distant, more distant from God than they should be. Today, can I start with this? Can I show you the areas that we should examine? We, we just read about them, believe it or not. I'd like to show you the areas in our lives that we can examine to help us determine if we are following Jesus from a distance. I'm going to, go try, I'm, I'm going to try to go through these quickly because Illinois plays at 12-10 today and I have to see that game. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. There we go. <laughs> all right. It's all good. It's all good. What areas? I've already told my wife we're going to have lunch at a place with a TV. I'm just telling you that right now. So she understands and she's a wonderful human being. Here we go. Number one, the first, <laughs> the, the, the first area, the first area for us to examine would be the area of prayer. How, how am I doing in my prayer life? And I'm not talking, now I lay me down to sleep and God bless this food, amen. Okay? How are my conversations with God? You see, it, we read about a struggle here that took place. Peter was among those. This series is called For Pete's Sake. This series has been looking at some mistakes that Peter made, but I, I, think, I think Jesus chose Peter because he is just like so many of us. What a hot mess Peter was. Just like us. And yet, and yet, God looked at him. Jesus, the Son of God, looked at him and said, Rocky, on you, I'm going to build my church. Prayer. Let's go back. Look at verses 45 and 46. Jesus is in the garden. He knows he's about to get arrested. He knows he's about to go to the cross. It says, when he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. When Jesus needed them to pray, 
Dare I say when the disciples needed the disciples to pray, they failed. When we become inconsistent, I want you to see this. When we become inconsistent in our prayer lives, we tend to see a distance in our relationship with Jesus. Have you ever been reunited with somebody that you have not spoken to in years? Okay? Sometimes in those occasions, it could just be like, oh, it's like we never stop seeing each other. Okay? At least on TV, it comes off that way. But a lot of times for me, it's like, hey, hey, I just had one of, the, <laughs> had one of these at the store yesterday. It was so funny. A girl who uh, used to go to this church many moons ago, and, and uh, she moved, got married, has a kid and all that. So, so, so I'm, I'm walking in there, I'm, I'm walking down the aisle. She's there. I kind of look at her and she looks at me. I look at her. She looks at me and she says, hey, don't you, don't you pastor like in Talmadge somewhere? And I said her, her name and, and she said, yes, hi, I forget your name. <laughs> It was right there I knew I was making eternal impact. <laughs> right there. <laughs> but we got a little reacquainted, you know. I, 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 you know it, but how many know those moments can get awkward, right? Like you don't know the person's name. So that's when we usually say brother or sister. Um, <laughs> Bible college. Hey, brother. It's like <laughs> if I was your brother, you'd know my name. Anyway. So now, 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 here's the deal, okay? When we haven't spoken to God in a while, you know what happens? Things get a little awkward. We, we, we don't know Him like we should. There's things about God. There's things about Jesus that, that we really don't know be, be, because we simply haven't kept up on our part the relationship. See, prayer is not just begging God for stuff. Prayer is a vehicle by which God uses that means of communication to draw our hearts closer to God's heart. We become more like Jesus the more we talk to him. So when we become inconsistent in our prayer life, a distance begins to take place. The next area would be something we touched on last week, the area of patience. The area of patience. How can I tell that there is a distance between God and myself? The area of patience. It says, When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, starting in verse 49, when the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought our swords. And one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. Now we find out because if you listened to last week, that the person who held the sword was none other than. Peter. 
Peter's cutting off ears. And I'll get to that in a little bit. I mentioned this last week. I want to do it again. They asked, Jesus, should we fight? Another, uh, uh, another account says, Lord, should we strike him with our swords? Did Jesus answer? I'll wait. Did Jesus say, get him? Did Jesus even say, no, hang on to your swords? He didn't say a word. But Peter struck anyway because it felt like it was the right thing to do. Peter didn't wait for an answer. He acted anyway. There's a sign. Remember when I said that Peter's distance may have started in his heart before it started on his feet? You, you tend to make some bad decisions when there is a distance between you and God. And sometimes you will act without hearing from Jesus. And Peter could have very well, as, as his sword is covered in blood and the poor servant's ear is laying on the ground, he could have looked at Jesus and said, well, I, I prayed about it. I asked you. You just didn't answer in time. I'll try to get better. You just didn't answer in time, Jesus. And don't we do that? Don't we do that? Lord, Lord, I need an answer. So here, here's my prayer, which basically says, Lord, please agree with me. And then we cut off ears. And we wonder why we've made such a mess. And when we become distant from God, what happens is that we tend to act without getting a response from Jesus. Here's a third area, what I would call the area of people. And again, we touched on this last week. So I'm not going to belabor this very long. Okay, now let's get back to the poor servant whose name was Malchus, all right? Again, the scripture says, one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Again, we don't know if Peter was a good aim or a bad aim, but there you go. Uh, But Jesus answered, no more of this, and he touched the man's ear and healed him. John's account, an eyewitness of the account, (laughs) tattletale, said, then Simon Peter, it was Peter, not me, Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And so here's the deal. And you need to understand this. We tend to hurt people when a distance forms between us and Jesus. Mm. When we follow Jesus from a distance, we tend to be careless with people's emotions We tend to be careless with our relationships. Sometimes the people whom we should love the most get 
hurt by us or maybe just some innocent bystander. God forbid that if a waiter or a waitress doesn't fill your refill at the time that you specifically need that, praise God, then, then the wrath of the kingdom of God and the throes of hell will be cast upon that part-time salaried worker because you didn't get your Diet Coke. And Christians tend to hurt other people because because the underlying root of that is not just because you've got bad people skills, not just because of this or that, not because you had a bad day, but in all honesty, people tend to get hurt because you've developed a distance between you and Jesus. And see, here's the deal, right? If things are not good vertically with us and Jesus, they will not be good horizontally with the people that we love. <laughs> Some of you didn't like that. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you will love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's going to have a positive impact on your earthly relationships. You will see them differently. Even the ones that are hard to love, you will see them differently. Even the ones that are mean to you, you will see them differently. And you will see them not through your eyes, but through Jesus' eyes. Here's another, posi- uh, I'm sorry, here's another area, and that's what I would call the area of position. Now, this one's brand new. But in Luke 55, there's a, uh, I'm sorry, verse 55 of Luke 22, there's a phrase here that caught me. And it said, when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them there. Interesting. The one who decided, the one who decided to follow Jesus from a distance because it was uncomfortable, thought it would be more comfortable to sit around a bonfire with some of the guards and the people in that area. Do you know what he was trying to do? He was trying to blend in. This is so good. Peter was trying to blend in so that nobody would recognize him. Now listen to me. I am all about being the salt of the earth. I'm all about being a light in the dark world. I'm all about God's people penetrating places that are dark and need people to show them genuine Christianity. For example, I love it when strong Christians find themselves in the arts, for example. Because that is such a dark, dark place. And if somebody, somebody can go in there and demonstrate authentic Christianity in that dark world, that is fantastic. But it's tough. And ultimately what happens with many, because for whatever reason, it's a lot more comfortable to blend in so that nobody recognizes you as a follower 
of Jesus. Peter did that. Peter blended in. Okay, good. But his heart was that so he would not be noticed. I don't believe that the Lord needs any more undercover Christians in the American church, in, the, in America, period. Now, there are some places, very closed countries. We support missionaries, by the way, in very closed countries who they don't go in as a missionary. They go in as a career specialist. One of our missionaries actually started a, an athletic facility. He started a, a, a gym and he has led Islamic people to Jesus Christ as a result of that. Not by preaching a sermon, but by doing bench presses with them. So I'm all about that, okay? So don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you go to work, does anybody know that you're a Christian? When you're on the golf course, <laughs> maybe that's a bad example. <laughs> When you're, when you're at the restaurant, again, how you treat the server. Okay, would you please show them what authentic Christianity is all about? Please. When, when you're at work and they tell that joke, okay, how do you respond? Now, I'm not telling you to say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Okay? That's not going to help things for you. But at the same time, at the same time, they should know that, oh, you know what? He's probably not going to like this. Okay, there you go, Peter. That's when it's time to stop blending in, and that's where your faith needs to be very apparent to the people that are around you. The final area for us to examine would be what I call the area of pressure. So not only did Peter try to blend in and not get noticed, but people figured out, hey, wait a minute. You're one of them. Look how it goes. Verse 56 of Luke 22. A servant girl, a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. He said, a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. Verse 59, but an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Probably the worst moment in Peter's Life was right at this occasion. When we create distance between us and Jesus, Jesus and us, here's what happens. We tend to give in spiritually when the pressure's on. Church, there are folks that are risking their lives right now, right now, in other countries to do what you're doing right now. 
And when the pressure's on, they will still keep their faith in Jesus Christ. Some are jailed because of their faith in Christ. Some are killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. That's going on in the 21st century in our world. We don't even understand it. We think somebody making fun of our t-shirt is persecution. (laughs) Please. You have no idea. How do we respond when the pressure, when, when we're called into question, when we're mocked for our faith? Because it's going to happen, Peter. It's going to happen online. It might come up at work. How do you respond? See, we tend to give in to the pressure when we follow Jesus, not intimately and closely, but when we follow him at a distance. So what's the answer to all this? What's the answer? See, here's the deal, okay? I could, I could stand up here and say, you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, and this wrong. Good night, everybody. How do you respond to this? Well, the story continues. Because if you're finding yourself not as close to Jesus as you used to be, or could be, or should be, I want you to see what took place. Again, Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, whoo, mercy. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Would you just stop there? How devastating would that be? Without even saying a word, he caught eyes with Jesus. And suddenly, the verse says, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And verse 62 says, Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. And that is the last time we hear from Peter until the resurrection. We don't see him at the cross. We don't see him trying to interject himself while they were whipping Jesus. Peter was not one that helped him carry the cross. This one who said, I will be with you no matter what, Jesus, we don't hear from him again. but I want you to see how Peter responded to this because I believe that there is an example here that we need to look at. See, first of all, first of all, what's the answer? Realize that the Lord sees you. Jesus literally looked at Peter. As he's denying Jesus, they catch eyes. Can I tell you something? The Lord is not oblivious to your spiritual state, nor mine. May I say it more bluntly? You are not fooling Jesus. He knows. He knows. He knows what you do when no one's looking. 
He knows what you do when you set your browser to private. He knows what you're doing on your phone. He knows what you're doing at work. He knows. He knows. He knows it all. He sees it. And the problem, I think a lot of us think that we're, we're fooling Jesus, that we're the one that's fooling Jesus. He'll catch the other seven billion. But not me. And he sees you. And I think more than anything, maybe we just need to be reminded that the Lord is more aware, hear this, the Lord is more aware of the distance than even you are. Realize the Lord sees you. Secondly, recall the Lord's words. Did you catch that? Okay. He caught eyes with Jesus, and then he remembered, oh, he remembered what the Lord said to him. You want to close the gap between you and Jesus? Remember what the Lord has said to you. He recalled the words of Jesus. Maybe we need to recall, not maybe, we definitely need to recall the word of God when we find ourselves at a distance from him. I'll throw a couple examples for you. Hebrews 13 verse 5, it says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Maybe that's a verse that you need here. Maybe you need to recall these words from Jesus from Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Could it be that the worries of this life have occupied the distance and the gap between you and Jesus? I'd be so much closer to Jesus. God, if I, if I had more money, if I had a better job, if I was healthier, if, 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 and, and, and quit seeking that stuff. And just seek the kingdom of God first. And then he'll take care of all that other stuff. He will. He will. Try him. Try him. Try him. He'll take care of you. Maybe you need to recall this word, and this will be the last verse that I give you here, but there are others. Second Chronicles says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to them, uh, to him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth and he wants to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You feel weak? He wants to give you strength. 
Maybe you need to be reminded today that God is a shelter for you, that God is your refuge, that God is your strength, that God is not only a help, but he is a very present help in times of trouble. Maybe you need to be reminded that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to be reminded from the book of Romans that nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe you need to be reminded that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I don't know what part of God's word you need to be reminded of today, but would you be reminded of all of that and even more and close the gap because you cannot go wrong with the word of God. And can I challenge you as part of the answer to have a little remorse? In today's 21st century church, you know what Peter would have done? Maybe he'd get to an altar. Lord, forgive me. Amen. Let's go to Bob Evans. No. When, 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 when the reality of all this came, when the reality of all this came, he was torn up don't know. I don't know if we are very good at being sad about our distance from God. I think the 21st century church has learned how to manage it. You've heard of a functioning alcoholic? A person who drinks and drinks and drinks and, and they just function. I think sometimes we have some functioning, distant Christians. We're distant, but, you know, hey, see you at church. And, and, and we just function. And there's no remorse when I fall short. There's no remorse when I've made a mistake. There's, there's no remorse when I'm in, in a state that, that is nothing, nothing of what God wants from me. There's no remorse that I, I just... Maybe I, maybe I even think it's no big deal. And one thing I can learn from Peter is that there was a lot of remorse for what had happened. Now I could close the service here because we don't hear from Peter again in this story until Easter Sunday. But I can't close it here. See, because there's a phrase at the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead that gives me a lot of assurance today. And I want to share with you that same assurance with you. Keep in mind where Peter's at. He has wept bitterly. He has hit the darkest moment of his life since he started following Jesus. He is crushed. He is destroyed. He probably wonders if Jesus will ever have anything to do with him. Every time he wakes up and hearing a rooster, every time he hears a rooster crow, he goes back to that night when he laid eyes on Jesus, when he failed Jesus so much, this keeps ringing in his mind and ringing in his mind and ringing in his mind. I was supposed to be the one the rock 
who Jesus would build a church on. I was supposed to be the one that Jesus was depending on, and I denied him to a little girl. And then we have Easter Sunday. Mark chapter 16, verses 4 through 7. You know the story. As they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the womb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the, on the right side. And the women were shocked. The angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go. Tell his disciples, including Peter. Including Peter. That Jesus is going ahead of you in a Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you before he died. Some of you aren't getting this yet. After Jesus rose from the dead, he singled out the one person who may have failed him the most. Was he doing to pile on? Was he doing that to beat him up? No. See, we do that. but not Jesus. Jesus did not say, yeah, I'm risen from the dead. Tell the guys, let's keep this on the down low with Peter. He really messed up. My plans have changed for Peter. He is a total train wreck. He's a mess. He failed me. Is that what Jesus said? No, no. Jesus' entire purpose in saying Peter's name was not to destroy him, but to restore him. Oh. See, here's the deal. It was on that beautiful Sunday morning that Peter was on Jesus' mind. And it's on this, let's say, dreary Sunday morning. Jesus has had you on his mind all morning long. And, and, and if some of this that you've heard is kind of bothering you, and it just, oh, wow, I, wish he, you know, I wish he'd be more fluffy when he preaches. And... <laughs> I'm not fluffy. I'm puffy, but I'm not fluffy. But, but here's the deal. He, he's looking at each and every one of us. And he sees where we need to be restored spiritually. He sees the gap. He sees the distance. He sees your mistakes. He sees your failures. He sees what you've done wrong. He sees what you haven't done correctly. He sees the lack of discipline. He sees where you once were and now are far from. He sees all of that What's he want to do, Peter? He wants to close the gap between you and him. 
So the Lord is not in his church today with a spiritual big ugly stick ready to hit you with it. The Lord is here with arms wide open to say, Peter, whatever the distance might be between me and you, let's close that gap. Let's start over because I've still got big plans for you. I've got a purpose for you. And quite honestly, church, your mistakes are not bigger than God's plans. Oh, mercy. Your mistakes are not bigger than God's plan for you. Let him close the gap. Are you following him from a distance? Jonathan, can you help me? Are you following him from a distance? Are you following him from a distance? Could you be closer? Was there a time you were so much closer today, today? When you woke up, you were on Jesus' mind. And he very much wants that gap to be closed. Will you? Will you allow that to happen? We just read this. I'm closing with this. James 4, 8. I don't have it on the screen. We read this on Wednesday night in our Bible study. If you will draw near to God, if you will come near to God, guess what? He will come near to you. I urge you, Peter, to know that your story continues. And Jesus is here to restore. Will you stand with me? Did you get anything out of this today? I want to pray for you, and, and we'll look at a conversation that Jesus had <laughs> with Peter. But right now, I want to encourage you to have a conversation with the Lord today. Is there a distance that has developed between you and the Lord? It didn't happen overnight. You stopped praying. You stopped reading the word. And maybe sin has entered into your life. Maybe you proudly and vocally made a declaration in front of so many people saying, I will be this kind of a Christian. And that fell apart. And so you think that you've disqualified yourself from God's best for your life. And I'm here to tell you again that Jesus has you on his mind today. Will you close the gap between you and Jesus? Can we pray real quick? Jesus, I'm asking you now that your Holy Spirit would touch every person under the sound of my voice. And God, if there is any of us that has found a gap, found a distance between us and you, Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would push us, don't just nudge us, but push us closer into right relationship with you. Holy Spirit, work on us right now with your head still bowed, with your eyes still closed. I want to make this as private as we can, and I want to know whom to pray for. Who can I pray for today that will say, Pastor, There's a distance that's developed, and I want to close that distance. I'm not going to ask you how it happened. I'm not going to ask you how long it's been going on. I'm not even going to ask you what you did. I'm just going to ask you, would you be willing by an upraised hand to say, today, I'm going to try to close that gap. I'm going to try to find myself drawn closer to God. Is that you? Who can I pray for today? We want to slip your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to close that gap. I want to follow him closer. Thank you. 
Hands are going up everywhere. Are there others? I need Jesus to help me close the gap. Hallelujah. I have to ask this question. Are you right with God today? You're not guaranteed tomorrow, friend. Two weeks ago, we had a young man in this room worshiping with us. Days later, he died. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Are you right with Jesus? Are you right with Jesus? You'll say, Pastor, I'm not right with Jesus, and I need to give my life completely to him. I need his forgiveness. I need to make him my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, could you slip your hand up and put it right back down? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Thank you. I'm not right with God. I need to get right with him. Are there any others? I need Jesus to save me. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. Here's what I want. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to say a prayer for all of us to repeat. And those of you who raised your hand to give your life right with God, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me. Mean that from your heart. But many raise their hands saying, I identify myself as a follower of Jesus. But man, that distance is there. And I got to close that. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you that you would find a place to pray today. Maybe at your seat. Maybe you want to come to this altar and kneel. Maybe you want to turn at your seat and, and pray. But I'm going to ask you to find a place in this room, in your house, those of you watching online, to get alone with God and say, Lord, help me to close the gap. Help me to do the things I need to do and stop doing the things that I have no business doing. And don't leave until God's done with you and you're done with him. Would you pray with me? I want you to repeat this first of all. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, for forgiving me. I ask you, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And help me to live for you. Take away my sin and replace that with a desire to serve you, to follow you, and to obey you. Change my life for the better in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I ask you that you would be with those that need to talk to you a little bit here today before they leave. God, those that have seen a distance develop in their relationship with you, in their walk with you, God, I pray that you would speak to us today. Let your Holy Spirit convict us if need be. Show us where we need to improve. Show us what we need to do differently. Show us what we need to stop. And God, anything that you take away, Lord God, fill that void with the things of you. Give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, I pray. God, Help us to close the gap. May we follow you as closely as we can. So meet with your people, I pray, as we seek your face. And it's in your name that we ask this, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you need to pray, do so right now. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you. Let's not disturb those who might be praying. God bless.